0: stand with us as we sing.
1: The world to see you, a dream for the world to know you, to love your name. Lift up a shout, lift up a cry to shake the ground, a shout out the walls are coming down. Yeah, we're running after you like a rolling stone, like a runaway train. we turning. No more yesterday's. My heart
2: is free. No chains on me. Got you raised me up, up from the grave. The cross people. I'm on my way. My heart is free. No change.
1: for freedom Abandoned by cold religion My heart on fire We hear a sound The sound of revival coming The sound of the people rising Yeah, we're running after you Like, like a, a rolling stone like, like a runaway train Or turning back no more yesterdays, my heart is free, no chains on me. God, you raise me up from the grave, the cross I'm on my way, my heart is free, no chains on me. next part says the walls are coming down. Sing this with me. The walls are coming down. 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 Sing it again. The walls are coming down. The walls are coming down. The walls are coming down walls are coming down, like a rolling stone, like a runaway train, no turning back, no more yesterdays, my heart is free, no chains on me, Got you raise me up, up from the grave, across people, I'm on my way, my heart is free, no chains on me. pleasure.
3: seated. We're so glad you're here to worship with us this morning. is isn't it an awesome thing to think that the chains are broken and the walls have been torn down. That's what Christ did for us, and that's what we celebrate uh, this morning. If you would, uh, if you take out your bulletins, you see in there there's a little handout, um, and I want to just briefly highlight that, let you know what that's about. Um, part of Part of the amazing thing of what Christ calls us to do when he breaks the chains in our lives, when he tears down the walls in our lives. He doesn't just do that for us just so that we can enjoy that. He does that so that we can help break the chains. Others' lives, help break down walls in others. And this uh, handout you'll see is about STAT, which is uh, Stand Against Trafficking. And uh, it's something we don't think about a lot, but uh, human trafficking is a huge issue still in our day. And we think, well, slavery, that was years ago, uh, but there are over 27 million people today still in slavery. And uh, STAT is an organization connected to the Wesleyan Church in uh, North Carolina as well, uh, directly connected to our district. And so uh, they're going to have a training this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Uh, we can't give out the location. If you're interested, you can contact us at the church, or you'll also see their email address on there. Uh, if you want to be a part of that training, that's just going to be a brief training uh, to help you be more aware of the situation and to help you uh, be able to be more involved, because their their mission at STAT is to abolish human trafficking. And they do that by equipping churches to change lives uh, through developing future leaders within the church uh, in order to help against the battle against human trafficking. So if that's something you're interested in that pulls at your heartstrings, uh, that you want to be a part of breaking chains in other people's lives uh, so that they can truly be free, then I encourage you, uh, you can contact the church. You can contact them. uh, You'll see their email on the sheet. Uh, I encourage you to to look into that and take part in that. If you can't do it this weekend, uh, just email them and find out more and find out when they're going to have another one, uh, and and that's a great organization. I've, I've met and talked with the lady who, who runs Stat of North Carolina, uh, and and they're doing a great work. So I'd encourage you to be involved in that. Uh, some other announcements you need to be aware of: uh, next Sunday, uh, in between services, we're going to have a very uh, short church conference, uh, simply to elect uh, nominating committee and our delegates for district conference. Uh, so you, if you are a member. Uh, we encourage you to be a part of that uh, it 'll be at ten thirty in between the services Will that be in here or in the in the sanctuary uh, so come a little bit early uh, and make sure to be there for that uh, church members so that you can vote on our uh, nominating committee and our church delegates uh, for next year uh, but uh, we 're just so glad uh, that you 're here to worship with us and to be a part of what God is doing here. If you're new with us this morning, we just want to let you know uh, that we just we want you to feel welcome. We want you to connect uh, with Christ and, and experience His love. And one thing we do to do that is a lot of times people feel pressured at church to give when you pass an offering plate. So we don't pass a plate. We do have a box in the back. If you would like to give towards the ministry and towards what is God is doing, uh, you are welcome to do that in the box at the back. But we are not asking anything from you this morning. We are simply offering Christ and His love to you. And we hope that you Uh, see that in what we do this morning and how we worship our god and our savior let us pray as we continue to worship father you are such a good god and we are so blessed god that you have broken down the walls in our lives that you have broken the chains that that hold us down god i pray as we come and and we worship that we would focus our hearts and our minds and our souls on you, God. As we already sang about this morning, our hearts are prone to wander, are prone to be distracted and to be pulled away by things in this world. But, God, as we come to meet this morning, God, may you pull our hearts back towards you. May we focus our hearts, our minds, our souls, our everything towards you. God, as we sing, God, may it come from the depths of our soul and who we are as we express our love and our worship to you. God, I pray that we wouldn't just come here out of routine. God, that we would come here to meet with you. We would come to meet with the creator of the world, the savior of mankind. What a huge thing. God, may we not take that light. God, may you be glorified. May you be lifted up. May you change lives this morning. In your name. Amen. You're welcome to stand as we continue to worship.
1: I've
0: Talk about you Like you're not in the room I want to Look right at you I want to sing right To you I don't want to talk about You like you're not In the room I want to look right At you I want to sing right to you I don't want to talk not in the- know where feet may fail, and there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep my faith will stand. So sweet
3: Our kids go out for their children's time this morning with Pastor Kelsey. Uh, parents, you can find them uh, the st- out the back to the right. The stairs are on your right um, and down there in our children's ministry area. Uh, for me, that is, that is one of my favorite songs, uh, especially through all that we're going through uh, right now. And, and I, just, I just sense that, that God is, is calling people to step out. And as I, I, I can't help but when I sing that song, I always think of Peter, uh, which is obviously that's the song you know was was comes from that story, and the awesome thing as you think about that story, Peter knew boats. Peter was very comfortable with boats. He'd been out on the water all his life, and he knew the safety of the boat. He knew the security of the boat. He could tell you all about how the boat could survive this storm and Jesus called him out of what he knew and out of what he was secure in himself about to do something that would be completely impossible for Peter to do by himself and I wonder how many of us are relying on what we know what is comfortable and secure for us when God is calling us to step out of what's comfortable and what's secure and to do something that requires us to completely depend on him where's God calling you to step out of the boat and onto the waters what is that in your life where's that point each of us, it's something different. Maybe for some of us, it's simply to step out and say, God, I believe in you. I'm going to put my trust in you, and I believe that you died for me, and I'm going to live for you. Maybe some of us, we've made that step, but now God is calling us to start something new. Maybe God is calling us to talk to somebody in our family. Place. Maybe God is calling us to go somewhere But I know each of us There are critical points in our lives Where God is calling us to step out of what we know And what is comfortable And what is easy And to take that step of faith Out into the impossible And see that it's only possible with God We pray that God would strengthen our faith But if we want God to strengthen our faith we got to take that step and that's how God strengthened our faces. We step out on the water and say, wow, God can do this. God does do this. Man, God wants to do some pretty amazing things in our lives. And he's calling us to step out of the boat and trust Let's pray, Father, it's hard. God, it's easy to talk about. It's easy to, to read about. But God, it's hard to do. And I know and I believe That you have incredible plans For everyone in this room God I know that there are some in this room Who are who are at the edge Looking out into the waters And you're calling their name And you're saying Will you step out Come to me Depend on me Rely on me And I pray that we would listen God, that we would have the faith to step out and that you would strengthen our faith as we step out in faith. And God, that the waters are going to rise and the waves are going to come around us and, and distract us and pull our attention from you. And other things are going to call us away. But God, help us to stay focused on you. God, help us to keep us to take that step. Whatever that step is this morning, give us strength. Give us the courage. God, may somebody in this room today be able to point back and say, that was the day that I decided to step out and look at what God has done in my life. God, even if it's just one person today, I pray that that would happen. I pray that your spirit that you would speak to us this morning, well. and that you would speak mightily through Rusty's ears.
4: Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning as we continue our series, uh, week six of our Follow the Leader series. We're going we'll to be looking a little bit. Last week we looked at what it meant to follow Christ and understand what it means to be a child of God. This morning we're we'll be looking at the aspect of literally what it means, really a question that probably every single person has asked at some point in their life if they're trying to discover what it really means to follow God or, or how to figure out their life. And the question is quite simple it's, what is God's will for my life? Has anybody ever asked that question? Anybody? Just come on. It's okay to raise you, It's all right. Interactive. It's all right. I think if you're not raising your hand, you know you're lying because you've asked that question. Maybe not to God, but you've asked that question. It's like, what's my purpose? Maybe a different phrase is like, what should I do? What college, college shall I attend? You know, what person should I date? And oh my gosh, if it gets to the point where it's really serious, is this the right person to marry? Is this the one I want to spend the rest of my life with? And And the answer, guys, if you're married, is absolutely right. You know, it's like just make sure you get that clarified. But it's like, is this God's will for my life? What is it? You know, what should I pursue? What should I do? You know, what career should I have? What job should I take? You know, uh, the list can go on. If you have kids, it's like, how should I raise them up? And where should I place them in school? And and should I? You know, all these kind of things are going crazy at different points in our lives. And sometimes it's a cycle. But no matter what the variation of the question. People want to know, is it possible, is it actually possible to know God's will? Can you leave this morning knowing without a shadow of doubt that you can discover or know God's purpose and God's will and God's intent for your life? And so to answer these questions we've been looking at over the last few weeks, we've been looking at scripture, and we're going to turn there again this morning, if you have your Bibles, we'll look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and we're going to be kind of walking through that a little bit as well as some other passages we look to find the answer. Can we know God's will for our life? And what we're going to be doing is distinguishing between different aspect of God's will. There is God's general will, okay, which is its will for all of humanity, and there's God's specific will that he wants to raise each of us up in to fulfill in the midst of God's general will, okay? And so I believe that we have got this sometimes mixed up and that's why we struggle so much of finding our purpose, our place, in our assurance in life. And we'll let the scripture kind of teach us and walk us through this area. But in Romans chapter 12, verse one and two, it starts off this way. Therefore, and so with that therefore, meaning if you haven't read the book of Romans, I encourage you to do that. Read chapters one through 11. I don't have time to go back and talk about all of that. But basically, Paul is talking about how amazing the mercy of God is and how he's basically fulfilled in Jesus Christ the law. That he's came to fulfill that and to provide life for us not only when we receive him as lord and savior but also that when we receive him as lord and savior that he sends us his spirit so that we can live a life that is pleasing and honorable to him and so he says therefore with that in mind okay because we'd be here for about three weeks if i had to go through all the 11 verses so every 11 chapters but so just take my word for it it's basically a quick summary and he says therefore i urge you Okay? in light of everything that you've just read and everything that you understand about the great mercies of God in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship in verse 2 do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will Now, first of all, we have to look at this aspect that Paul makes it pretty clear there at the end in chapter 2, or basically verse 2b of that question. It says that we can what? Know God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So everybody can take a deep breath, right? I can know God's will for my life. Now, that's encouraging, but still, we still ask, what is it? Right? Anybody? I mean, even though we can know it, well, why do many of us still struggle to know God's will and still wonder if we're on the right track if we're on the right path well we have to take the into account a very important word it's a very simple word in our English and it's the word then okay because there's a little transition when it says that you know the first verse, the first two verses like I present yourself as a living sacrifice and view God's mercies offer your bodies holy and pleasing to God this is your proper worship don't be conformed to the patterns of the world then that then does not exist in the Greek construct, but it's implied. And the Greek is trying to help us understand something pretty powerful. If you want to know and be able to test and approve God's will, you first of all have to have the first part of this verse. You have had to surrender yourself, in other words, presented yourself before God. You need to surrender your life. That's why he's saying, I urge you Paul is like really pleading with his people. If you want to know God's will, you first and foremost have to surrender everything that you are, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Now, living sacrifice is very important because in the Old Testament, it's a quite different model. They brought sheep and and pigeons and all kinds of different animals over and over and over again. And what kind of sacrifices were they? They were dead sacrifices. I mean, they basically brought the animal up, slit their throat. You know, did everything, threw it on the fire, burned them up. The priest got to keep, you know, the good portion of the meat and had a big barbecue afterwards. Well, maybe not exactly like that, but they got to, to keep the food and do that. But what Paul is telling us here is the whole system has changed because in Jesus, once and for all has paid for the debt and death of every one of us. And he has sacrificed once and for all for us. So therefore, because of that one sacrifice, we are to be a living sacrifice. In Christ, that means daily. 365, Right? 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, we are to be presenting ourselves, meaning to yield ourselves completely surrendered before God, okay? And when we do that, notice that it says that we are holy and pleasing to God. Why are we holy and pleasing to God? Not because of our efforts or because we're good enough or that we can figure everything out. It's because of what Christ has done in us. When we surrender to him, he makes us righteous. He makes us holy. Amen? Isn't that good news? I mean, it's not because of our own doing, but it doesn't stop there in the big fancy theological terms. That's imparted righteousness, okay? That means God has credited to us holiness, his holiness, his righteousness, so that we can be made whole. It's a fancy word that you're justified. Everybody heard that word? That we're justified in God just as if we had never sinned. When we come to Christ and receive the atoning blood of his sacrifice, we are justified. We are given God's righteousness, but it doesn't stop there. It's not just imparted. We don't just receive God's impartation of righteousness. Then we live out that righteousness, which is the imputed righteousness of God. I know these are big theological terms. Don't worry about that. Just make sure that we are called to live then out what God has already done for us. Therefore, what Paul says, in view of God's great mercy. In other words, he's not only made you righteous, he's given you the ability to live a holy and pleasing life before him. So do this on a daily basis. And then this is your proper act of worship. Right? I mean, sometimes we think this was worship was what we just did, right? That's only a part, a small little inkling of worship. When you go to work, that's worship. When you are taking care of your kids at home, That's worship. When we do it as unto the Lord, when we glorify God in everything that we say and everything that we do, that is our proper worship. That is our task exactly where we've been placed. So it's holy and pleasing before God. And then he says that we don't need to transform our minds by this world, but by the renewing of our minds, because God wants to transform not only our lives, but our minds. Because, let's be honest, your mind, no one has to teach anyone to be selfish, do they? Is that safe to say? If you took six toddlers and threw them in a room and put one toy in it, you know what you get? Armageddon. Because they are going to fight for that toy. What are they going to say? Mine! 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 And then what's going to happen? The strong will survive, right? Pop! The biggest kid is going to slap him down, or the most kid, they may not be the biggest, but they're going to take them out, right? No, it's my toy. I'm going to play with it. Right? kind of thing. We don't have to teach anyone to be selfish or self-centered or self-focused, and so what Paul is trying to tell us is that we have got to reorient ourselves. As we've been looking at through this whole series, what it means to follow Jesus is to reorient our lives, because the truth is, most of us are worried about numero uno, right? Than you are about anybody else in the world. Let's just be honest. When push comes to shove, some days you don't even want to, you know, man, if you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. Really? Here we go again. You know, I love you guys, really, I promise. One's out already. But, you know, but we feel that thing, but God wants to transform us so that we can live our lives holy and pleasing to Him in everything that we do, and we've got to transform our selfish desires and thoughts so that it's focused on others. And I think this is where the key is, because only when we live a life like that, then can we understand God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. You following Most of us struggle with knowing God's will in our life is because we want to know God's specific will for our own lives, but we don't live out God's general will that's already been evident and presented to us. Let me explain a little bit more of that. In other words, we don't want to be obedient to that which we already know. We just simply want to know what we want to know and live what we want to know and do what will make us feel success, right? But in order for us to know God's will, we have to know God completely, to surrender ourselves to Him. We must be surrendered to Him. We must be living our lives in proper worship. We must allow God to shape every aspect of us. And only when we do that can we know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. But then that still doesn't answer the question, right? What is God's will? You just told me that I can know God's will, but then you're like giving us this list of things that supposedly we have to do, right? It's like I've got to know God. I've got to present myself to Him. I've got to surrender my life to Him, all this kind of stuff. You know, it's like, then I can know it, but then that still doesn't answer the question, what is God's will for my life? Well, let me make this really simple. God has a general will for all of humanity, okay? Regardless of what you want for your specific will, God has a general will for every single one of us within the sound of my voice in in this whole world, and this is what it is. The will of God is simply this in the general sense. What the will of God is what God intends to do in and through your life for his glory to make himself known to the nations and to all peoples. Can I say that again? Now, that's very simple summarization of from Genesis to Revelation. Okay? I mean, that's a lot to compact into one little sentence. But basically, the general will of God is this, that God intends to do in your life and through your life for his glory and to make himself known to all the nations and to all peoples. Most of God's will has already been revealed in Scripture to us. Did you know that? It is concrete in black and white. It's already there for us. There's so many things that we can know. We don't have to wake up in the morning and go, hmm, should I kill someone today? Right? Is that God's will? You know, they're really annoying. I mean, you know you fought it. If you've you've had a toddler, you thought about it. It's like, God, are you sure? You sure? You're not going to make it to your... You know, parents, you've said it. You're not going to make it to your teenager, right? You're not going to make it out of your teenage years. So, but it's not God's will for us to kill, right? It's very clear. It just says, "Thou shalt not what kill." You know, "Thou shalt not commit adultery." You know, all these different things. Thou shalt have no other gods before you, right? We we know all those don'ts and do lists and stuff like that. But then we also forget the general will of God, where He calls us by name. And when He first chose the disciples, they were on their boats, they were fishing. As Mark was saying, they were doing everything that they felt comfortable and secure with. They were in control. They were good. They were making money. They were doing everything that they possibly could. And God looks at them through Christ Jesus and he says, hey, guys, follow me. Follow me. And then I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think God is calling each of us to leave our jobs today. Okay? It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is God is calling us in the midst of where we are to follow him and to reveal his general will to all of those that are in our sphere of influence. In other words, God's general will and purpose for each and every one of us is to make God's wonderful gift of mercy and saving grace known to everyone that we possibly can, wherever we have been called to and place at this moment. And until we understand that general will of God, until we start living out that general will of God to follow him, to make disciples, that make disciples, we will always struggle with the reality of what our specific part in that general will that we're supposed to play. We have first of all got to understand that God wants to impact the world through you. Do you believe that? God wants to make a difference through you exactly where you are placed. And this is the cool thing. You guys are on the front lines of the battle. If you have a secular job, first of all, let me let you know that there is nothing called secular. If you're a Christian, there is nothing that's secular. Everything is sacred because we are supposed to have our whole lives totally transformed. And everything that we say, everything that we do is to glorify God and to show forth his glory so that others may know him. There is nothing secular, but unfortunately, we are selfish, and we think, okay, I'm going to do this for myself, right? And I'm going to do this for God. But God says, no, 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 you don't understand. I want all of you. I have called all of you to follow me and to proclaim the mystery and the truth and the joy and the hope that comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. No matter where you are, whether you're in high school, whether you're in elementary, whether you have just a regular job, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, a dentist, wherever you may be, you are called to follow God's general will, and this is this, that God intends to use you and your life for his glory. And until we get that, and and the only way we will get that is if we present our lives to him on a regular basis and we allow him to reshape and tool our thinking. But most of us are afraid of God's will. Are we honest about that? Especially his general will. Because we hear the words, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, and we freak out. Can we be honest? We think words like this. Sometimes we're irritated by it, right? I mean, let's be honest. We're like, gosh, you mean God, you know, if I really follow you, that may mean I have to change some things in my life. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it irritates us. Like, I'm pretty comfortable exactly where I am. I'm comfortable with being who I am. Lord, I'm afraid if I surrender myself completely to you and yield myself to presenting my life in such a way that it glorifies you and lifts you up rather than myself up, I'm afraid that I won't be who you made me to be. But the truth is, it's just the opposite. The more we surrender, the more truly we become who we were created to be. We don't have lobotomies when we follow Christ. We still keep our unique character and nature. Did you know that? God uses all the gifts and the natures that you have, but he then transforms it so that it's used for his glory and points to him rather than pointing to us. And that's a big relief because then God's in control. God's in charge. But sometimes we're irritated with it. Sometimes we live in fear of it. It's like, oh no, God may call me upon the waters. God may call me out of my comfort zone and he may call me to go to Africa. Africa. Now, Mark's the only person in this room that would be excited about that, okay? Maybe not. There's maybe some others like that. He used to live in Africa. He's like, you yay, God. But most of us are afraid that God is going to call us to be overseas missionaries. But the truth is God simply calls us to use the gifts that he has already given us exactly where we are the majority of the time. Very seldom does he call us to leave our location and our place to go serve him. He first wants us to understand how to serve him where we are. Because if we can't serve him where we are, we'll never serve him where he sends us we can't do it here, we can't be faithful with a little that we've already been given, we'll never understand the glory in His majesty. But we're a fear of Him, we're, and sometimes we're afraid to submit to His will because that means we're out of control, that we don't get to plan our lives. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by it. I can remember when first God called me to preach, I thought, you got the wrong number. Literally. I mean, most of you, I mean, I've shared a little bit of my story, but I was not pastoral candidate material. In any shape, in any form, my life did not honor God in any way when he called me out of the darkness that I was living in. And then within six months after he called me out of the darkness and the hell that I was living at, he put in my heart to go to seminary. And I'm thinking, what on earth are you thinking, God? You've got the wrong number. This is an impossibility. And I was overwhelmed. There's no way I can do this. You don't know. I, I was telling God, you don't know what I've done. And God was like, yeah, dude. Had a front row seat to every bit of it. Watched you live your life and walk to destruction because you thought you understood where you needed to go. But are you ready now to surrender completely to me and not be overwhelmed by it, but to find peace in it? To understand, you'll only find peace when you're really in the midst and centered into my will. Sometimes we feel cheated under God's will. Sometimes we feel ab- or critical against it. Sometimes we have grudges against it. We grow angry towards it because we have not yet received the answer we want for our individual lives. You know what I'm talking about? You've been angry at God. It's like, God, why can't you make this happen now? Am I the only one? Sometimes you wonder, it's like, God, I know this needs to happen, right? You feel like this needs to happen, but yet, and we get angry at God, we get resentful at God because, like, you tell me that I can know your will, but I still feel like I'm flapping around like a one-winged bird, right? and just kind of spinning in a circle of life and never getting anywhere. But I think the majority of the reason for that is because we are so focused on our own individual will that we have forgotten God's general will. And until we can live in his general will, we will never understand our specific calling in the midst of it. Because ultimately, folks, I know this may sound odd, but God's main purpose is not to give you a career. Can Say it again. God's main purpose is not so that you can have a career. It's so that you can glorify God wherever you are, in whatever you do, so that his name will be known, so that people's lives will be changed. Whether it's being called as a pastor, a janitor, a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, a stay-at-home mom, wherever that is, where you are, God's main purpose is not to... Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be the best that you possibly can be in that career to think, don't get me wrong. But what I am saying is God is more concerned about you living out his general will than he is your specific will. And until we can grapple with that truth, we'll never be satisfied with whatever God calls us to do. Because we'll always be looking for the next best thing, won't we? Is that honest? Can we be honest about that? It's like, because we get something, we're horrible, aren't we? few weeks, we get bored with it, don't we? Anybody ever got a new job and you think, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing in the world, this is awesome, and you get into it, and you find all the workings of it, and you start going, oh, I hate this. Anybody? The next thing you know is like, man, I mean, I was first thought I was going to be a student teacher. I was going to be a teacher. You know, I mean, I went through all school, and I went a long time to, in school, okay? I had the seven-year plan for my bachelor program. It's really hard to get a four-year degree in seven years, let me tell you but I did it, okay? We won't tell that the first three I don't remember, okay? But we that's part of the reason. But it was, took me seven years to do that, and I got to my last semester, and the truth is I had 200 in like 36 hours. Okay, that should be enough for at least two degrees. But I took them in all different areas and all this kind of stuff, and I was getting over with life, and I thought I was going to be a teacher, thought this is where I was supposed to do. This is like right after I giving my life back to God, I was like, okay God this is what you want me to do, it's going to be this music career I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm just going to direct choirs and you know I did my student teaching and I was like, okay, I've got enough hours for this music thing, I'm going to get this degree and I'm going to be a teacher and I get appointed to this 5A high school in Texas in Lubbock, Texas, it's a magnet school, inner city got the, got the gang kids and uh, the brightest kids, you mix them together and you put them in a choir of 120 students and you're going like, yeah this is good This is going to work, right? Different classes of people and all that kind of stuff mixed in together. You're thinking, okay, God, this is what you've called me to do, and it was a nightmare. I hated it. I thought, okay, I finally figured out what I was going to do. I'm going to graduate with this degree, then I'm going to have this focus. I hated it. Oh, I hated it. Ah, hated it. That's why I've never done youth ministry. Hey, teens, I really like you, but there's no way I could spend that much time with you. I mean, I barely could spend that much time with my own teenager. Uh, I love him. But, I, I mean, I know that's not my calling. I don't really have patience in that realm. And that, I mean, anybody testify? It's just not me? Amen? Okay, thank you, Joel. But he works with them. Pray for his soul. Uh, but, I mean, I felt like this is what God had called me to do. This was my purpose. This is my place. And then it got all shattered. It's like, I hate this. You know, that this was going to be the answer. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to work a secular job, and you know, and do ministry on the side. So I took a, a church worship job, and you know, I really loved that. I mean, I was loved directing the choir and directing the praise team. And this is back before praise teams really existed. This is back in the early '90s. This was just started out. You know, it's like you think it was tough nowadays, like fighting the battle. Like imagine early '90s when people are like, you know, as the deer was cutting edge. Okay, do you remember that one? As the deer. For the waters I, I mean, that was cutting edge. And church members will think you were the little Satan by playing that on a guitar. Right? And so, but I was loving that job, thinking this is what it is, but then I thought I can't make enough money doing a part-time church job, so I gotta find a real job. And there was just only there's a jewelry job out there, right? I'm thinking, hey, it paid well, commissioned, I get to sell jewelry. How hard is that gonna be? I love it. Get into it, what happens? Hate it. I was making good money, but I hated it. I couldn't sit there when these young guys would come in, and they'd be trying to pick out their engagement ring, and in the sales pitch was this. Well, how much do you love? Oh, man, I think she's the greatest thing about- Oh, really? Well, you know the standard st- The standard is about six months of your salary for an engagement. Let me show you. How much do you make a year? And their eyes would get like, it's big. And I'd feel guilty because here I am just giving my life back to Christ, and I'm thinking... I can't do this. How do I do this? How do I sell this stuff to them? It's like, how can I make them spend twelve grand on an engagement ring when they're living in a trailer? It really hard, but I hated it. Could not stand it. You know. But the point of it is, is like many times we try to pursue these jobs because of money, because of opportunity, because of whatever we label because of success. I can make a whole lot of money, and we get into it, and we find out that we absolutely hate it. Why? Because we've never solved the real call in our life to live out God's general purpose and will in our lives. And I finally, for my life, I had to realize that God was calling me into full-time Christian ministry. And I gotta tell you, it's been the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, but I've never felt more fulfilled every day of my life. God, and the purpose of that is, is I've stopped focusing on myself and I start focusing on other people and helping them find their purpose in life to live out God's call to proclaim the name of Jesus wherever they are we are called to present ourselves as a living sacrifice because of what God has done for us that's holy and pleasing before him and it is our proper worship and we allow ourselves to be transformed by that so that we can live out God's good will, did you hear that? you know see God is our father we learned last week right, we were his children Your father doesn't want to do the most horrible thing he can to you, does he? I mean, I know Blaine may think this at times, but most of the time I don't sit at home, my wife Tina and I don't sit there and go, what can we do to ruin his life? You know, maybe we shave his head in the middle of the night. That would be really cool. Maybe we cut off all his pants and hem them, where they're really shorter, so think he has to go to school like with the waiters on, right? You know, we don't sit there and think it's like, hmm, I'm going to force him to do something that he hates every single waking moment of his life, so that I can show that I'm the boss. God is not that way, but we think that when it comes to God's will, it's like, Lord, I can't do this. I'm overwhelmed by this calling you said to follow me, to yield myself to you, to give everything that I am and follow in complete obedience. I just don't know if I can do it. And God says, good, that's where I want you. When you realize that you can do absolutely nothing apart from God's power in your life, that's when you will start beginning to fulfill his purpose for your life. You'll be able to live out his general will and get this. This is the greatest part about it. You'll find out that his will, his general will is good. What does the scripture say it was? You'll know his good will. And in the Greek, the word good means excellent, superior in nature, honorable in its essence. God really does want the best for you. Do you get that? God is not an ogre with a two by four waiting for you to screw up and saying, come on. Pah! Yeah, knocked him out. it. no. He wants the absolute best for your life. And I want you to, if you don't hear anything else in the day, you need to understand that your Father in heaven loves you more than anybody on this earth. And he has a purpose for your life. And his will, his general will is good. And what else did it say? It's pleasing. God's will is pleasing. In other words, it's enjoyable. Can you believe it? Leading people to Christ and pointing them to God is a pleasing thing. Who to have it? Helping people understand that they once were dead and now that they're alive, they once were lost, now that they're saved, that's the most exciting thing that any one of us could ever possibly do. If we never achieve greatness on this earth, but we help one person come into saving relationship with Jesus Christ, we have lived a life full. But we're afraid of it. God's will is good, it's pleasing, and then what's the final thing it says? It's perfect. It means it's complete, totally fulfilled. Nothing in a Christian life is outside the will of God. Nothing. God's will for our lives is total, in totality, complete. Now, life would be simpler if all Christians, if we could, if we simply just studied the Word of God and believed the Word of God and lived out the Word, wouldn't it? If we could just get that, we'd be in good shape because that's how we discover god's will proverbs 3 5 and 6 says this trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will do what make your paths straight this is where the specific will comes in only when we live out god's general will can we ever find out god's specific will for our lives Because only when we submit ourselves and our understanding of what's good and what's pleasing and what's perfect and take up his good, pleasing, perfect will will we ever be able to live out the specific calling that he has for us in the midst of his general will. Do you get that? That his general will is amazing and is astonishing that he wants the whole world to be saved. He does not want one person to perish that doesn't mean that there will not be people that perish but that's his general will it's amazing it's overwhelming and but yet he has a purpose for you in the midst of that to fulfill to take part because we are not just a bunch of individuals we are a bunch of individuals with great gifts that come together collectively to do a greater thing but we have to submit to him and then he will make your path straight in other words he will reveal to you your purpose. How many of you want to know your purpose? How many of you want to wake up every morning going, I'm in the right spot? I mean, as hard as it is to be a pastor, I can guarantee you, I have never, since the day I answered the call, thought about quitting being a pastor. Now, I've thought about quitting churches. I'm not, I'm not going to be too holy. I've thought about running from some churches thinking, these are the most pagan people I've ever seen in my life. But I've never thought about abandoning the call to lead others to Christ. Whether it pays or whether it doesn't, that's the call. Whether I have to take a secular job or not, it's still a calling in the midst of the general will to still proclaim the message of Christ and teach others to do the same but we have to submit to him completely. Then he will direct our paths, and he will give us a peace. And so how do we do that specifically? We need to allow ourselves to be immersed in God's word. The psalmist tells us this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What's amazing about that is, what I want to make sure you understand, is there are a lot of people that know the word of God. They're geniuses. They know everything from Genesis to Revelation. They know everything about every other little side book that possibly could be written about it, but yet they have not taken one step in faith. Notice what this says, that the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Has anybody ever been out in the woods with a a lantern when it's completely pitch black? You know what I'm talking about? It's like you hear all those noises, you... And you start wondering, you can't see where they are, and you're wondering like, you know, you're like, at the light. You only can see so far in front of you, can't you? What do you have to do? You have to walk a little more secure and a little more tender right as you're walking up and you only can see like so far like literally as big as your flashlight is if you've got a small one you try to shine it at your feet and see if there's an edge you come over to the edge and you see an edge and you think how far is that right okay God said I could step should I step is there gonna I can't see the step sometimes you can't see how far that fall is right God says Lord your word says that I should be doing this and I trust you. Your word is a light to my path, a lamp to my feet, okay? Ah! And then he takes you another step further, right? Another step further. You know, but most of us want a book written for us, don't we? We want uh, Rusty Chapter 1. And in Rusty Chapter 1, it's going to talk about our birth, right? Or not your birth. It would be like some other name. and can talk about your birth. It's like this is what you're supposed to do from conception to the grave. But God doesn't do that. He says, trust me daily. Read my word and allow my word to govern you and guide you in every single step. The second thing is we need to lead, allow God to lead us through the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see, God's spirit is placed in us when we choose to follow him, and he leads us and guides us every single moment of the day if we're willing to listen to his voice. If we're willing to set aside our own understanding, right? Because Proverbs 16, 9 says this, "The the mind of man plans his way. Anybody good planners? Do you have a plan for your life? You know, I, I, you know, anybody think about long-term investments? You know, I want to retire. You know, probably like I'd love to retire about sixty and do a beach ministry. That's my plan: plant churches on the beach, Tahiti, Hawaii. You know, but I, I don't know if God's. But that's my plan. You know, that may not be God's plan, but we have plans. But the the plans of man. Right, We know our way, but the Lord directs the steps. We need to trust not our own mind, our own understanding. That doesn't mean you throw your brain out. God has given us a brilliant mind, but we need to follow his steps rather than our own plans. It's easier for us to trust God than it is to trust ourselves. Man's steps are ordained by the Lord, Proverbs twenty twenty four says. How then can man understand his way? The only way we can understand his way is to trust in his Spirit's leading and guiding in our daily lives. And I know this is frustrating for you to understand God's specific will for your life. It starts every day. You cannot see the end picture. Period. You only can see the next step. That's why it takes a thing called faith. That doesn't mean, because in Scripture it tells us like we can plan and plan and plan all we want, but we may not have tomorrow so all we can focus on is today taking the next step and trusting in God's sovereign leadership in our lives and then besides trusting in his word and allowing his spirit to intercede with our spirit thirdly we need to seek wise counsel those who are qualified to give wise counsel it's very important to have someone in your life that can speak into your life and you can go to them and call them in a moment's notice and say you know what I believe God is telling me this Can you pray with me to verify that's where God wants me to be or what God wants me to do? When I was answering the call to to ministry, I mean, I had tons of people saying, man, you're crazy, Rusty. My family, I mean, my family loves me. I love my family. But my parents were like, you're a nut. Why would you ever want to be a a pastor? We thought you were going to seminary. Just thought it was a phase. You know, I came out of seminary. My dad's like, what are you going to do? I'm going to be a worship pastor. What? Does that pay anything? I don't know. We'll find out. It's like my parents would have preferred me to go to Nashville to be a country western singer and take that greater risk than they would have me following God's will for my life. And so I had a pastor in Lubbock, Texas that sat with me and, and confirmed and helped me understand my calling that it wasn't to go off to Nashville and take a huge risk in the gamble but it was to take the step that God had called me to take at that point. And at that moment, it was not to preach. I thought it was just going to be to lead worship. In the midst of that, I had a, a friend that was that I studied Greek with and Hebrew with, and we were in class together. And one time, he was an older guy. He was in his 40s when I was in my 20s at that time. It was a long time ago. <laughs> like 28. I was like Mark's age. Young pup. Now I'm an old fart, you know, 44, you know. But uh, God, it seems like a long time ago. I had a guy, though, he was in his 40s, and I thought he was old, I guess, at that time. And now I think he was really young. Probably a handsome dude, too. But uh, he was 40-something years old, and he was looking at me and says, Rusty, what you think is your primary gift will not be your calling. And what it will not be what God is calling you to do and serve him with for the rest of your life. And I said, what are you talking about? Are you talking in a riddle? He's like, I'm not supposed to reveal this to you, but God will reveal it to you in time. And I graduated. Shortly after I graduated, I took this job at a church of about 800 Is the worship pastor, direct their choirs, direct their praise team, uh, pretty much slave labor. First job, you know, you do like a little bit of everything, associate pastor, all that kind of stuff. My very first Sunday morning to lead worship in a church of 803 services was my senior pastor at that time, Jim Smith, who was not feeling well. Uh, And he told me jokingly the day before, Rusty, you might have a sermon ready in case i don't show up i'm thinking yeah right and i asked a bunch of people is he joking so yeah this guy hasn't missed a message in 40 years i'm thinking i'm pretty safe i'm not going to prepare anything mark note on this okay and uh the next thing i know is i'm up there i lead worship for the first service he gets up to preach he stands in the pulpit he speaks about five minutes i'm thinking and he goes i'm gonna have rusty come up and finish this message and i was going what I just want him to pray for us. Like, it was like five minutes in. I'm like, man, this is the best church of all. Five-minute sermon. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty cool. Wish you guys had that, right? But five minutes in, and he's like, and I go up to to pray, and he won't move. He is passed out, locked, deadlocked in the pulpit. He is like gone rigor mortis on the pulpit. I'm thinking, man, this guy's dead. I had to pry his fingers off the pulpit, lay him on the ground, get people up there to revive him, and kind of, he didn't completely go out. He was still, he was just kind of, passed out on us we drug him out and then i had to be ready to preach the next two messages and i basically in that time knew that god has a sense of humor because at that moment he confirmed my calling he says rusty i didn't call you to lead worship i called you to preach the gospel Now, there's nothing wrong with being called to lead music, but I'm saying that God confirmed what my friend, my crazy friend, this 40-year-old man, told me at that point when I was in my 20s. It was confirmed when I had to instantly step up and realize that I had to now bring and tell the hope that I have within me in a moment's notice to preach, and not only to preach, but to preach to a crowd that doesn't even know me yet, that I've got to introduce myself and say, Hey, guys, I'm your new uh, worship pastor as well. I'll be preaching today because your pastor passed out. God has got a sense of humor, but if we rely on him, he will lead us and he will give us wise counsel and help us to know. God will lead us into his will, giving us an inner assurance, and that's where I discovered that peace. That day as I stood in the pulpit after my pastor had passed out, and I understood these words of Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. At that moment I had a peace. Even though I may not be the greatest pastor ever called upon by God, but he's called me to preach still the same. And I have an assurance of that. Regardless what happens here at this church or any church in the future, I know that I'm called to preach the gospel of Christ. That's my specific will in the midst of his general will to make him known to all the nations. God has a specific will for you, but you will never really know it or assume it or understand it until you begin to follow him in his general will. And as you do that, you will discover, I promise you will discover, a peace and assurance to know what you have been called to do. And no matter if you think it's secular or not, it's still sacred. Because you have the Christ in you, living and breathing and being an example for all people. Would you pray with Heavenly Father, we truly overwhelmed and amazed at the fact that you have called us to follow you truly is overwhelming that your will is spelled out for us so perfectly. But too many times we get hung up on trying to find our own little niche in this world and we miss sight of the glorious call that you have given us and your will that is manifest before us that we can just step into today. So Lord, we pray that we would maybe put on the back burner just for a little while our individual calling and that we would allow you to tell us and reaffirm in us our general calling. And as we become faithful to that general calling, I pray that you would reveal in a way that is without doubt and completely giving each and every person in this room an assurance of their purpose, of their place in your greater plan. Lord, we know that that will not happen unless we surrender ourselves to you. So today... No matter if we've known you for two seconds or our whole lives, we yield ourselves before you and say, Father, lead us. Lead us to follow you and make us fishers of men to proclaim forth your name, to bring forth your hope and your joy that all people can be saved through the power and the name of Jesus Christ. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. And we ask that you would guide us and lead us into your good, your pleasing, and perfect will. In Christ's name, amen. Let us stand as we close this morning with this song.
1: You can pray this or you can uh, you can sing it with us. Please join us in this, this closing song. Serve out. I'll stay When you move I'll move I will follow you Who you love I'll love How you serve I'll serve In this life I lose I will follow So
5: Blessed be your name When I'm found in the desert place When I walk through the wilderness Blessed be your name Every blessing you pour out i turn back to praise When the darkness closes in, Lord Still